Ben Cohen, there was a recent NBA signing that caught your attention, that you've written about, but not for the usual reasons. Before you tell us who this player is, can you just tell us some of his attributes? Sure. He's not a superstar, is the first thing to know about him. He wasn't a starter on his own team last season. There were five guys on his team who were paid more than he was. He did not have particularly great stats. Mm. He's not the biggest guy on the team. He's like six foot four. He doesn't score the most points. His career average, I think, is around eight and a half points per game. E- even his salary was average. Last year, there were about 200 players in the league who were paid more than he was. We have nothing against being average on the podcast, but um, why did you write about him? What's the deal? Well, you know, I just thought that he happened to sign the most fascinating deal of NBA free agency. Somehow this guy coming off the bench for his team with average stats became one of the most coveted players on the market and signed a deal that has the potential to Mm. triple his career earnings with one sheet of paper. He just signed a two-year contract with the Pacers that will pay him $22 million next year, potentially $23 million again the year after that. This is a guy who started his career as the lowest paid guy on his team. And amazingly, he will now have something in common with Steph Curry, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Luka Doncic, the biggest names in the NBA. He is now the highest paid player on his NBA team. So who are we talking about? Bruce Brown. Mm. Bruce Brown, the sixth man for the world champion Denver Nuggets. Bruce Brown, the guy who is now making $22 million a year. Even people in the NBA world look at that salary and say, wait, who got paid what? Like, that is a huge figure for Bruce Brown. Anytime a basketball player who I think most sports fans haven't heard of becomes the highest paid player on his team, it's surprising and it's interesting and it's counterintuitive. And those are all things that we love to write about at The Wall Street Journal. We also like to write about value. And here is a guy whose value has changed in surprising and revealing ways since the last time he was on the job market. And I think not all of us can be NBA players, but there is a Bruce Brown in every office. And I think it's important to think about and recognize the overlooked people whose contributions at work are not the most obvious and can't necessarily be quantified, but are essential to success in any line of work. And once you fully understand that, you can begin to understand why Bruce Brown found himself in such high demand this offseason. When you think about the most recognizable players in the NBA, Bruce Brown probably wouldn't be very high on your list. I'm not even sure he'd crack the top 50. Even after winning a title in Denver and signing a big contract with the Pacers, understanding Brown's value is a lot more complicated than simply pointing to the stat sheet. So today, Ben Cohen of the Wall Street Journal is here to enlighten us. 
He'll explain why Bruce Brown, of all people, is cashing in big time. What Brown can do for you if you're an NBA franchise and how being a good teammate can be its own superpower, whether you're a basketball player or an office worker. I'm Jeremy Schapp. It's Wednesday, July 19th. This is ESPN Daily. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So, Ben, tell us a little bit more about who Bruce Brown is. Is, you know, was was he born great or or was greatness and this kind of wealth thrust upon him? Uh, Bruce Brown, you know, the unlikeliest member of the league's $20 million club now. He grew up in Massachusetts. He played two seasons of college basketball at the University of Miami. And I talked to his coach at Miami, Jim Laranega, who told me that, you know, the first time that he remembers seeing him, Bruce Brown was not like, you know, throwing up three-pointers from half court or dunking on people's heads. He can make a whole bunch of threes, and he is a dunker. But what really stood out to Laranega about Bruce Brown was the way that he was hustling around the court and doing all the little things. The things that we identify with him now are what appealed to a college coach, you know, almost 10 years ago at this point. Then he gets to college and, you know, Jim Laranega almost described him as like something of an acquired taste. Like he did score 25 points against Duke and he did play well against North Carolina, but his real value on the court was subtle. told me that, you know, the more I watched him play, the more I realized how much he impacted the game. And he had this tendency, the bigger the game, the better he played. Mm. Back to Brown, uncorks the three, and he cans it from the left wing. Bruce Brown comes away with a roar cry. Puts the ball up high, goes back door. Brown with a two-handed slam! And instantly crafted play by Jim Laranega coming out of the timeout. Those are not like the sexiest attributes and they're sort of hard for NBA teams to quantify and they're not the things that stand out to scouts who are looking for height and wingspan and three-point shooting percentage and raw athleticism. So it would take a while for NBA teams to realize what Bruce Brown brings to an NBA team for themselves. And, you know, a lot of times it seems like his colleagues, the people who are in the locker room and on the team playing with him every day, were the ones who understood his value better than anybody else. So he leaves Miami after his sophomore year. He gets drafted with the number 42 pick in 2018. He is a rookie on the Detroit Pistons in 2019. His salary is the standard minimum contract for second-round picks, like the very least that NBA teams are allowed to pay him is around $838,000, which 
is a whole lot of money for someone in their first job out of college. And it is like the absolute least that you can make in the NBA. He wasn't paid all that much more. His next few seasons, $1.3 million, $1.7 million. He's traded to the Brooklyn Nets. He makes $4.7 million. But the way that NBA teams thought about Bruce Brown was like strange and unusual and not quite right, like even as it was happening. I remember, you know, some of the smartest people in the NBA were like flummoxed that the Pistons gave up on him and traded him Mm. to the Nets. And anyone who watched those spectacular and spectacularly combustible and volatile Nets teams with KD and Kyrie and Harden, they would have become curious about the contributions of this guy named Bruce Brown because he seemed to be everywhere. He was just all over the floor. Brown, he's been hot. Bruce Brown delivers. He has been absolutely outstanding. And it's come from across areas. He's finished at the cup. Brown still with a purpose. Hits on the floor. He's made excellent defensive plays. Stolen by Bruce Brown. And anyone who survived that situation really deserves at least $20 million a year, right? That's true. He gets workers comp for uh, for surviving the Nets. And not only that, like maybe the most volatile situation in recent NBA history. And he comes out of it looking like this reliable presence, right? Like the volatility of it only increased his sense of dependability, which is kind of amazing. And um, so, so he'd established himself at this point, like his teammates loved him, the Nets fans did. But even when he tested the market last year as a free agent, he found that teams were not exactly banging down his door. In fact, he said on the eve of this year's NBA Finals, nobody really wanted me. Yeah, so the rumors coming into free agency last year was that I was getting a lot of offers, which I wasn't. Um, Nobody really wanted me because they didn't know if I could be a guard or not. So I kind of took it personal. I find all of this really strange. Well, it is strange, uh, right? Because... It's not as if there's a small sample size of his work. They play 82 games a year. He's been in the league for half a decade. You know, there shouldn't be too many unknowns about a player who's been around this long. Also, as soon as he signed with the Nuggets last year, every basketball geek and analyst and fan of the game just declared it a perfect fit. Like it was the steal, the best deal of the summer. And so if a team that is built to be a title contender around Nikola Jokic thinks that you can work on this roster and in this locker room, you almost have to wonder, what was every other team thinking? What was Denver thinking specifically? So there were a few things. The first was that um, he was a perfect fit next to Jokic. The way he played the game, the way he thought about the game, They thought that he would be a seamless fit on a roster that was clearly built to win a championship. The way he cut off the ball, the way that he could make threes when he was open, the way that he would guard the other team's best player, would throw his body around, he would die for loose balls, he would sort of make life miserable for the other team, and he would put the people on his team who are the very best at what they do in a position to be slightly better at what they do, right? Which is really all you're trying to do when you're looking for role players on a team with Nikola Jokic. The reason he liked the Nuggets was not just the money. They gave him six and a half million dollars, but they thought that he was ready for an expanded role and he wanted to prove himself as a playmaker. It was like he was getting a raise and something of a promotion too. And what he said before this year's finals was that pitch was exactly what he wanted to hear. 
they basically said what I wanted to hear because um, I wanted to get out that four-man, big-man role, floater game uh, and show what I can do. Um, and the first thing they said, you can come here and be a guard. Uh, and that's exactly what I wanted to hear. So I was like a perfect fit. And I think it's what like almost anyone who feels misvalued at work would want to hear. It didn't hurt that sartorially he could do things in Denver he couldn't do elsewhere without raising more eyebrows as well. Bruce Brown apparently is a big country music fan, and he took very quickly to wearing a cowboy hat to games. I mean, again, who doesn't love the guy who wears a cowboy hat to the office? Very strong move. (laughs) So, So you've described what Denver wanted, what they hoped he could provide. How did he write that story while he was there with the Nuggets? Well, I think all you have to do is look at the very last day of employment with the Denver Nuggets. It's a one-point game, just over three to play. One team trying to clinch the championship. The other team trying to force the game six. They are down 89-88 in game five of the NBA Finals. And with about two minutes left in the game, Mike Malone puts him on the court. Bruce Brown's at the scorer's table. I would think he's coming in for Michael Porter Jr. Takes out Michael Porter, trusts Bruce Brown enough to disrupt his starting lineup and put him on the floor for nothing less than the most important two minutes in the history of the franchise, right? They are two minutes away from winning the NBA title on their home court. Murray inbound to KCP, right back to Murray. Through the screen of Jokic, drives, fades, fires. Bruce Brown crashes the rim, grabs an offensive rebound. puts back this like kind of sneaky, clever, crafty layup to give his team a 90 to 89 lead. Denver by one, 90 seconds to go. Finally an offensive rebound for the Nuggets. Two possessions later, the Heat come down the floor. They're down 92-89. Jimmy Butler misses a three that would have tied the game. Back to Butler, contested three, missed it. Rebound, Bruce Brown. Miami has to foul, they do, with 14 seconds to go. They can almost taste it in Denver. Bruce Brown once again finds himself in the right place at the right time doing exactly the right thing, which is grabbing a rebound and calmly hitting two free throws to ice the championship. Bruce Brown, who had 21 big points in game four, makes it a two-possession game as he hits the first of two. Jim Laranega told me about this play. He said, that is so him, so Bruce Brown. The guy just knows how to win. Brown, one of the key acquisitions for this team. And so if you look at that game, Bruce Brown hits the bucket to give them a one-point lead in the last two minutes of the finals, and then he hits the two free throws to ice the championship. right there in the middle of like the most important moment the team has ever played. So he's invited to play a larger role. He does so spectacularly, you could say. He fulfills all of the hopes and wishes of the Nuggets. And along the way, you know, proves what kind of value he might have in other situations. But to go from that role to what we're talking about now, it's a $20 million player with the Pacers, their highest paid player. How, how does it make sense for them to invest that much 
in a guy with these talents? So there are a few ways to think about this question, I think. The first is that maybe they're overpaying him, right? I mean, this was clearly the market for him. Maybe he was excellent at $6.5 million a year and won't live up to $22 million a year. We, we don't know, right? But, you know, m- more important, I think, is that the Pacers found themselves in this peculiar situation where they could afford to pay Bruce Brown $22 million a year. Also this offseason, they signed... Tyrese Halliburton into an insanely lucrative rookie extension that will make him the highest paid player on the team next season and for many seasons after that, right? Like they are building this team around Tyrese Halliburton, but his extension doesn't kick in until the following year. So suddenly they found themselves with room on their books temporarily where they could afford to splurge on Bruce Brown, maybe even pay a premium above what he might really be worth. And also, let's face it, like Indiana is not exactly a destination for top free agents. Like, I don't know that they any amount of money they could have paid was going to bring other players to Indiana this offseason. So Bruce Brown is exactly the type of player that Indiana wanted to target because of his toughness and his competitive fire and his history of winning, right? I mean, here is a guy who just won an NBA championship. You know, you could argue maybe if um, if Kyrie Irving and James Harden don't get hurt, and if Kevin Durant's toe is an inch back, he might have been right in the middle of another NBA championship a few years earlier. The guy has been on winning teams, and I think they are hoping that he can help instill a winning culture in Indiana. Coming up, how we can all be a little bit more like Bruce Brown. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. All these things you're talking about, these kinds of intangible qualities, the leadership, the willingness to do dirty work that maybe stars might be less willing to do, all of that stuff, if it's so valuable... Why is it so difficult to find players who do the things that Bruce Brown does? I think figuring out how to value players and price their talents is like the hardest job for an NBA front office. And they have more information and more data than ever. And yet we still see players slip through the cracks all the time. We see undrafted players. We see second round picks become all-stars. The order of the draft 
does not necessarily correlate with how good players are going to be, right? I think projecting the talents of a teenager 5, 10, 15 years down the road is really hard in any industry, and it's particularly hard in professional sports. Now, what makes someone like Bruce Brown different than someone like Shane Battier, right, like the poster boy for the no stats all-star, is that if you look at Bruce Brown's stats, like they're good, but they're not great. Like they, It's not like his on-off or, or other advanced statistics suggest that he would be this valuable. And so, you know, I think there is a little bit of like combining this hard data and ways that we measure employee production in any line of work with the soft skills that he brings to an office. Who who else was in the sweepstakes to get Bruce Brown to bring this model teammate into their locker room? Well, amazingly, he also met with the New York Knicks. I know the names that were kicked around were the Lakers, the Dallas Mavericks um, would have loved Bruce Brown at that $12 million a year number. The Denver Nuggets, too. I mean, they really wanted to bring him back. They wanted to bring him back so badly that at their championship parade, Mike Malone, their coach, basically took the mic and like almost publicly begged him to come back. I got guys like Bruce Brown. Come here, Bruce. Bruce. Hey, y'all tell me, is Brucey B going anywhere? Hell no. It, it, it was like this guy like was a folk hero in Denver and they understood like on a team that won a championship and has its sights on winning another championship next year, they want, they understood Bruce Brown's value better than anybody and they wanted him back. They just couldn't afford to pay to keep him. You know, for some people, regardless of the logic regardless of how the economics here makes sense, are just going to say, Bruce Brown, poster child for athletes getting paid too much. What does he make of all this? When I was reporting this story, I thought of what um, the previous host of this podcast once wrote about um, Tyler Johnson, right? Tyler Johnson signed like a $50 million deal and famously barfed into the nearest toilet as soon as he (laughs) signed it, right? It was so overwhelming. Um, I don't think Bruce Brown puked into a toilet, but um, what he said at his introductory press conference with the Pacers was, I just want to thank these guys for having me. I mean, I came in the the league five years ago and couldn't imagine any of this happening to me. So I'm super grateful, super thankful, um, and came ready to, to start. So nobody was more surprised by the signing of Bruce Brown than Bruce Brown himself. But You know, the other thing that he said at this press conference that I found really interesting was that as soon as he agreed to the deal, the very first thing he thought after this mind-blowing contract was, I need to go to a gym. I mean, I was super ecstatic, obviously happy, mind-blown. But yeah, the first thing I thought was, I got to work out. I got to prove that I earned this money um, and prove to be in this position, Um, not just for me, but for the people around me. You know, that's a common thing you hear from NBA players around this time of year when there are billions of dollars getting distributed in a few hours at the beginning of NBA free agency. But in this case, everything that he has done up to this point of his career suggests that he was telling the truth, right? I mean, I think he probably does feel some pressure to live up to whatever expectations making $22 million a year brings. People who read your story in the journal, people who are listening to this discussion now, you know, they have a sense of what this is all about. But if you're going back to your office, wherever it may be, you're working at a Starbucks, you're working at a newspaper, you're working at a factory, what would you tell them, Ben, about how they can be more like Bruce? 
Ooh, that's a good question. I should have thought about this before. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's worth aspiring to be the person who other people in your office want to spend time with, right? They want to come to you when they have that one question on that project that needs answering, that problem that needs solving. Or you want to be that connector who like knows everybody in the office and like knows exactly what they do and what they're good at and what they're not good at. And or you want to be that like hero who just brings pizza or cupcakes to the office on that random Tuesday and makes everybody's day. I, I think we all kind of know who that person is in our office. And I think it's worth like striving to be that person sometimes. I wish I were that person. I'm, I'm not very good at being that person. But, you know, thinking about Bruce Brown made me think about those types of people in my own life and in my own work life. And, you know, not that I think that I'm going to be paying them $22 million a year anytime soon, but, you know, they are valuable in their own way. Ben, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm Jeremy Schapp. This has been ESPN Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow.